Welcome to Brand Lover, honest, real, and lively conversations for flourishing entrepreneurs and budding business owners on a mission to cultivate a heartfelt brand that connects with their purpose-driven mission. My hope is that you walk away feeling inspired and refreshed with a weekly takeaway in your back pocket that you can apply to your life or business. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to share this week's podcast guest with you. If you are a small business owner and are marketing online, which I believe every single business should be doing in this day and age, and you have never showed your face, if you are scared to share a selfie um, or perhaps even um, join in a live Zoom session or just are really feel sweaty palms and scared of showing up and actually having yourself personally associated with your brand, you are going to love this episode. I would love to introduce you to Tony Everard. She is a master trainer of NLP and hypnosis and a master coach who helps coaches, therapists, and practitioners master their coaching and communication skills, level up their business mindset, and step up as the leader in their field through NLP coaching certification (laughs) trainings and her Elevate Business and Mindset Coaching program. Tony has worked with hundreds of coaches globally, delivering training both online and face-to-face since 2016, has been nominated and won multiple awards for creating results in business, and has her own podcast, The Coaching Circle. Welcome, Tony. I'm so excited to chat with you. But before we get too deep and meaningful, because I know that we will, um, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself on a personal level? Sure. Um, so thanks for having me, Rachel. You know, I've I've loved watching your business and everything that you do in that space over the last few years. So it's great having a chat. And uh, um, and yeah, about me, I guess I'm, you know, big, big change has just happened for me. My daughter, who's 20, has just moved to Queensland to follow her dreams and, and has got herself a job on Hamilton Island. So um, so that's very exciting, but a big, big change in mm. life. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that we get to know that life, there's always changes just when you think, you know, you know what life is, things shift. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, so I have a coaching and training business that I run mostly from home and um, hang out with my old pets. I've got a 14 year old cat and dog. It's a bit like the retirement <laughs> village here and I've got to medicate them daily and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> And, uh, um, and yeah, I just love, you know, hanging out in the wellness space and, you know, I go to yoga and I love going to the beach and Mm. when I make time, I love doing creative things and painting and drawing and all those kinds of things. Um, my partner works FIFO, so he's away. So luckily I'm an introvert and actually enjoy my own company and spending, Mm. um, time at home by myself. Um, but I'm an introvert that likes doing extroverted things. So I go to, you know, quite a lot of networking things. I run a networking event and uh, and I uh, work with groups. So I train, um, coach and train groups of people. And, uh, and, I, and I really love it. I really love working with people who uh, want to create more in their life, who want to live a life that they love and ultimately create a business because I'm a, I'm a big believer that, business is part of our spiritual evolution and you would know Rachel that there's nothing like business to bring up your own stuff right to work through 
Yeah. If you're watching the YouTube video, my eyes just popped. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's, that's the growth, you know, that I, I, well, if we go back to where it started, I was in my late thirties. My daughter was a um, preteen um, and I was working in a part-time accounts job and, and, you know, I just, wasn't living my best life I was a bit of a hot mess to be honest I had mm -hmm. terrible social anxiety um you know fear of public speaking like like real fear I would go mm. red and shake and mm. you know the last thing I wanted to do was hold a piece of paper in front of people because they would see how much it was shaking um I would even think that people could see my legs shaking you know it was just terrifying mm. uh, and I used to drink too much wine to cover up a lot of this kind of stuff right um and I had failed relationships behind me. You know, I had separated from my daughter's dad. And, you know, I just kind of got to a point where I went, you know, this isn't who I wanted to be when I grow up. Mm. And and I and I eventually realized that I was the common denominator and everything that wasn't how I wanted it. Um, and thought, well, I need to do something different. And um, and so, you know, that was probably the start of my personal growth journey. And yeah amazing it's, uh, there's been a lot of ups and downs since then as there are but it's amazing that you sort of that you had the wisdom I guess to recognize that common denominator because that takes a lot of courage I think to really face up to the truth sometimes and to really examine ourselves um like I find that obviously it's a very difficult thing to do <laughs> oh yeah and you know you you're really spot on there Rachel and I think for me um, it's interesting because my parents, although they probably don't realize it, they were always a little bit alternative. Like I know my parents were doing like TM, you know, transcendental meditation type stuff in the kind of early seventies and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, uh, and so I think, and my parents both come from the UK, my mom's Scottish and my dad's English. And I just felt like being in, I was born in Australia, but all my cousins and stuff were born in the UK, but I just felt like we there was just a different kind of mindset around some things than what a lot of the other people that I was with seemed to have and I don't know if it was a different kind of way that I was exposed to thinking about socially or like how you relate to different people and by all means my parents had a lot of their own stuff going on as well yeah but I, I feel like I just it's almost like I always felt like I was a little bit different anyway so I was kind of prepared to look at different ways of you know thinking about things yeah um, but you know I think the big thing other than that was that there was just too much pain to stay where I was yeah that that was the thing um I think you know for people where you feel like well everything's okay you know like my relationship's okay my kids are okay yeah. my work's okay it might not be amazing but if it's all kind of okay, often people don't really have a lot of motivation to change. Yeah. Um, and it's not usually till things get pretty bad that you yeah. go, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. And, yeah. Um, There's some yeah. kind of catalyst, isn't there? Yeah. 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 All Absolutely. right. Now, before we get too far ahead, because this is like I'm loving this conversation already. The question <laughs> on everyone's lips, I'm sure, who's listening to this podcast is, what is NLP? What is NLP? Yeah, great question. And so NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. 
And it sounds very kind of technical, but essentially neuro is the mind and the nervous system. Uh, linguistics is our language, the communication that we use, both verbal and nonverbal. And then programming is essentially we all run on programs. So there's programs that we have that we automatically do the things that we do to consistently get the results that we have. And uh, NLP essentially is a, is a set of techniques that were created in the early 70s uh, by a couple of guys, Richard Bandler and John Grinder. One was a computer technician, something or other, and, and what was the other guy? The other guy was in social sciences, I think. But anyway, they, they started uh, looking at where do people get really good results? You know, where do people get really good results in communication, in growth, in change, in understanding, you know, the human mind and behavior. And so they essentially got very good at looking at what are what are really good results and then breaking down how do those results come about. And so essentially what NLP, the thing about NLP is that the only thing in NLP that comes from NLP is what we call modeling, which is that process. It's looking at, okay, who's got excellent results? How do we break down how they're doing that so that we can recreate those results in ourselves? So they looked at, um, so a lot of uh, their work looked at hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for example, the, the term rapport was always known in hypnosis that um, the hypnotist would get in rapport with their clients and there would be this kind of responsive state that they were in. But no one really knew how they actually did it. So these guys were like, well, to get in rapport, it's a process of matching and mirroring. So if you match and mirror physiology, tonality, you know, those kinds of things, suddenly you'll get in rapport because people who are like each other like each other right? That's, yes. that's the basis of rapport. So, yes. you know, that's just a very simple example, but then, you know, there's all different kind of aspects. There was a family therapist, Virginia Satir, who was very good at getting specific with language and asking questions. They modeled that. Milton Erickson was a hypnotherapist. He was very good at using very abstract language to get results. They modeled that, um, you know, uh, they even looked at, you know, Ivan Pavlov, who was, yeah. um, you know, doing the work with dogs and, stimulus response which became anchoring how do you create certain states emotional states within a person in an instant um you know all these different areas and it essentially creates this set of tools and techniques that when you learn it you deeply understand your own mind and your own thoughts and your emotions and you have the ability to to create change around those um so Essentially, NLP is, is used in so many different kind of contexts because it's all about the structure of communication and behavior. It's not about the content. So it's used in business, it's used in health, it's used in education, it's used in personal development, you know, sales, all these kinds mm -hmm. of things. Wherever there is um, human communication and behavior, essentially NLP um, is really useful. Um. <laughs> I'm speechless. <laughs> I've got some questions following on from that. I can't. But, okay. It, this just doesn't seem like a very common career pathway to me. So how did you discover NLP and why do you love it so much? Yeah. I, and you're so right, Rachel, it's not very common. And in fact, you know, I often say to people that 
when I was, um, you know, when I was going to school, like I never thought, oh my God, one day I want to be an NLP practitioner. I'd never yeah, even exactly. heard of it. <laughs> um, I, I thought I wanted to work in a bank. I think I just wanted to count money all day. Um, and I did that. I worked in a bank for about 10 years and went into accounting and all those kinds of things. But um, I, I come across NLP because, you know, I was at that point in my life where I'm like, I'm a bit of a hot mess. Nothing's going how I really want it to. Um, I I didn't know where to go in my career. So I'd been, I'd started accounting. I was working in a pretty sweet job, actually, in a function centre, the National Wine Centre here in Adelaide. And I had a pretty sweet job. Um, you know, we used to get lots of benefits. There was lots of free wine and cheese and stuff and, you know, long lunches and all kinds of really cool things. And it was a really nice place to work, great people. Mm. But it, I, I just got to that point where I was like, you know, is this all there is? And I'm like, mm. what else do I want to do? Um, and I didn't want to study accounting more. I didn't want to be in an accounting firm just doing books. Yeah. Um, and I thought about HR and I thought, well, I don't really like the HR lady that we've got here. So maybe that's yeah, I want to do. Um, and um, at that time, one of my friends had started up this online business, and this was in 2015, late 2014, early 2015, I think it was. Um, and she'd set up this website, and she was doing this stuff, and I was like, man. And I had known this. She's still a good friend of mine. I'd been friends with her since school. We've been in each other's weddings and everything. And um, and so. I was like checking out what she was doing and she got into this thing called affiliate marketing, right? Yeah. And so before I knew it, I was in this funnel, you know, watching all these webinars with these guys, you know, from the UK and the US telling us all about how you can just bang away on your computer and sell other people's stuff and just make squillions of dollars and travel the world and you'll be nice and fit and, and your life will be amazing, right? And I thought that sounds like, you know, the ideal career path for yeah. me. Um, so I, you know, I dumped thousands of dollars into the, this whole program that I really didn't, uh, I couldn't afford. I was a single mom, you know, working part-time. I was borrowing money against my, the unit that I owned at that time. Well, I had a loan on it. Um, and I dumped all this money into this thing with all these high hopes and pretty soon found that I made zero dollars, like zilch, nothing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, yes yeah. this, this is terrible you know like devastating yeah I'm like what what am I doing wrong and um you know there was a couple of really good things though that come out of that time and that was that number one these guys knew that the people who got results did a lot of personal development mm -hmm. so I was exposed to a lot of personal development type things there um and the second really good thing was that I met my first coach and uh, and so my first coach really helped me to start thinking about, um, you know, myself and my life and what I wanted to achieve in a really different way. And uh, and she actually introduced me to NLP and she was a big fan of Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, this is really cool. Um, and so I went off to Sydney to uh, Unleash the Power Within to see Tony in Sydney by myself, you know, headed over there um and and it was incredible like it's I don't know if you've ever been to one of Tony Robbins events but it's a bit like a um personal development rock concert right yeah like, I've seen clipping clips of videos and I have friends who have attended yeah 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 and and it's amazing like he's an incredible man he's got an incredible story um and 
like definitely, you know, it's very high energy. There's a lot of, you know, state shifting, jumping up and down, getting a high yeah. you know, energized state and stuff like that. Um, and on the last day we did this thing that was like, um, it was all around health and they set this challenge about having no coffee, no sugar, no meat, no dairy, no, I don't know, no life. <laughs> I can handle all of those except except for coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now I'm, I'm a bit the same, right? But yeah, I've still got coffee as well. But um, but I, at that time, like me not drinking for two weeks wasn't really heard of um, yeah. when I'd had Jasmine um, and, you know, like sugar and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was like I would eat muffins and chocolate and all kinds of stuff, junk food. Mm. Um, but I, I stuck to this thing for like more than two weeks. I went for like three weeks or four weeks or something yeah. like that. And I went, wow, like something really happened there, you know. Yeah. Like, um, but then, of course, the the conference high wears off and you're back in your own environment. And I, and I started going back to my own ways. And I thought, well, look, that was good, but I really need to learn these skills for myself so mm. that I can consistently create this kind of change for myself mm. um so that was it I, and I went and started looking for NLP trainings and I found one um which was funny because this person was operating this training from this like remote regional little country town that I used to go on holidays at Christmas and Easter too and I'm like how is anyone even doing a training there it's not even a real place like it's just like this little <laughs> tiny <laughs> little place um, but yeah, she was. And so I went over there and um, um, yeah, did this training and, and I was the crying girl. Like I literally just cried the whole training. Like it was like an exorcism of stuff coming out of me. Like I was primed. I was ready. I'm like, this is going to change my life. Yes. And, uh, and, it, and it really did. And I, and then I just was like, I, oh my God, if I can create this kind of change for myself and and shift this old crap that I've been carrying around. I, I need to be able to help other people do that. And to be honest, people would always spoke, like told me their problems anyway. Like I would mm -hmm. always find people would just tell me about all their stuff. And I was always drawn into that kind of wanting to help people. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, that, that started that. And then that next 12 months, I was just all in. So I did the seven day prep training in the, uh, February I went over to Sydney then and did like a two-week uh, master practitioner training in the May. Um, I went back to Sydney in the October for like four weeks and did all NLP trainers training and hypnosis trainers training. And then um, by the December, in the December, I delivered my first seven-day NLP practitioner training from the lounge room of my home. Um, which was now a rented home because I ended up selling my unit to pay for all of the stuff that I was doing. I was that far in. I was just like, I'm just going all in. And um, and yeah, and I, and I started training. So that was the end of 2016 when I started um, teaching. Um, and I'm not going to say it was all smooth sailing from there. Mm. There was a lot of scary things that happened and ups and downs and whatever else. But I did end up buying another home and an investment property and, you know, paid off all my debts and all that kind of stuff in between. But it was, a, it was a big, big journey to get to that point. Yeah, and again, I'm speechless. That is amazing <laughs> that within, uh, within a year you had facilitated this change in your life and then you were helping others to do the same and that's so inspiring. Yeah, it, it, was, it was really full on and... 
um, you know, that was probably just the start of the shifts for me. Mm -hmm. Um, From that point, then it was the business journey. And that's when Mm -hmm. the next level of stuff around money and business and being visible and who am I and, you know, all those kinds of things. Because I I remember when I did one of, I think, I remember which training it was, but somewhere through that year after one of the trainings, one of my really close friends that I used to go out partying with all the time said to me, like, so what are you going to be like a life coach or something? Mm. Like it was kind of a joke because like, mm. who was I to be life coaching? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but it just always stuck with me, but like now, mm. um, you know, it's, it's kind of regular every day that people say to me, Tony, thank you so much. You've mm. helped me change my life. Or they tell me about, you know, the clients that they're working and and how they've helped change their lives and, it's honestly, it's just the most rewarding, purpose-driven thing I've I've ever done. Like I I sometimes I have to pinch myself to go, like literally the, the things that I've, you know, pushed myself to do means that people that I will never even meet will have had their life changed. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's I it's just incredible like it's not something that I could have ever thought was possible to do Mm. and get paid well for doing it yeah and it's that it's that butterfly effect isn't it of impact that you don't even see sometimes happening and you might not know even for years later the stories that come I don't know about you but I find like I have people come back to me with stories a couple of years later after just like doing one of my courses or um, like even just working together and, and you know, at surface level, like I just help people brand their business. <laughs> yeah. But you don't know what else is going on that you're having an impact on in their life. Yeah. And that's like the full coming back full circle and hearing this. And imagine all the things that you don't hear about. And for you as someone who's actually intentionally facilitating that as a coach, like that's what you do. I just can't blows my mind the impact that you must be having. And all it took is that one decision, like that one first step. Um, and you say, you know, all the comments that you get, like that can bring up imposter syndrome and all those sorts of things. But for you to just, you know, to just, yeah, I get all that, but I'm still taking this step, the impact that you're, you know, the legacy that you're leaving behind. This is so amazing. So Congratulations. So, you know, like one of the things that I say to people, because, you know, like I'm teaching people how to coach, I'm certifying them as things. And, you know, one of the things that comes up is like, who am I to help somebody? Yeah. And I I always say, who are you not to help somebody? Mm. Because if you allow your own doubts hold you back, you're literally going to like, prevent well maybe not completely prevent maybe they'll find their own way but you could stop someone from getting the help that they need yeah you know exactly Um, and you know and I love what you're saying as well about you know even as being uh working with people in their brand um I was talking to a lady recently one of my clients who um she loves fashion and she's got young children and and she's so she likes to spend time with her children and she was sort of saying, well, I, I don't really know what my purpose is. Mm. And, you know, this is the thing, right? It doesn't matter what it is you're doing. There's always a purpose to what you're doing. You've just got to think up a little bit higher level. Like, you know, for, so for this lady, it's like, well, 
looking after kids is not just about looking after kids, right? Ultimately, what's the highest purpose, what the purpose of that or the highest intention is that you're going to raise, you know, full-grown humans and adults that go out and have a positive impact on the world. Mm. Like like she was into fashion and I'm like, ultimately, what's important to you about fashion? Why, you know, what's the purpose of that? She's like, well, because, you know, people, it's like helps people feel good about themselves and how they present themselves to the world and how they express themselves. And that has a big impact, right? Mm. Because it all comes to how people show up, how they relate to others. Like that's important, you know? And it's like you're saying with the brand, you say, well, ultimately, you know, what is the purpose of that? It's not just about people having pretty colors on their website. You know, it affects how they show up. It affects how people relate to them, you know, and I'm sure you could say a whole lot more about that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's, yeah, and I I agree. I think that there's too much, um, too much belittling of ourselves, you know, like we tend to sort of just dim dim our lights and you yeah. know the actual impact that we do so yeah I love that yeah it's um, a real tall poppy thing kind of yeah the tall poppy thing yeah 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 it's like don't stand out too much because you know someone's going to try to cut you down so I'll just cut myself down first yeah right. exactly and it's just rife in society like I see it happening in my kids and I'm like don't you dare stop yeah. running stop <laughs> it <laughs> You get out there and you shine. Anyway, um, so I think you, like you mentioned just before, I think you might have tapped a little nerve here um, when you mentioned the fear of visibility. And we've sort of Mm. talked about a little bit, but I really like to focus in on this topic Mm. um, because, hey, there's nothing like shining a light on our vulnerabilities. Um, (laughs) But how does this fear of visibility show up particularly for female business owners? Because that's our audience here. Um, Mm. How can that manifest for them? Yeah, it like it's a big one. And you know, I I love talking about vulnerabilities. I think this like, you know, the job that I get to do, I think it's the one job in the world that I it, it's actually a real benefit for me to tell everyone all of the crap that I've <laughs> where I've been and what I yeah. struggled with um and overcome, right? But you know, I see this a lot, especially in female business owners, this kind of fear of visibility and it and it can come, there's usually some really deep stuff underneath it right Mm -hmm. so you know whether you believe that you had a great childhood or you know that there was some stuff that happened that wasn't so great I mean like I know for me like I wasn't abused or anything like that but my both my parents you know married and divorced about three four times each there was always a lot of instability Mm. you know a lot of crazy kind of stuff going on um and when you're a young child you don't have the ability to process things that are said or things that are happened. And when you're Mm. really young, you tend to make everything mean something about you, right? So, you know, this is usually the root of it all. And, And I mean, it can even be things like, you know, being told that, you know, kids should be seen and not heard or just be quiet and sit down or, you know, all these kinds of things where, um, it might just be your parent was just, you know, stressed at the time or focusing on something else or had something important to do. Yeah. But as a child, we'll make it mean, oh, um, I, it's not okay for me to be heard or it's not okay for me to be seen or, mm-hmm. um, or you know, it could be that there is some actual trauma that's happened where people have found that they want to try to hide and keep small and not be seen because it keeps them out of danger. Mm. right so there might have been some physical abuse or sexual abuse or you know emotional abuse 
all kinds of things that that could happen that get buried right because mm-hmm. your unconscious mind will um, add a necessity like repress things that you haven't been able to process mm. um, and, and it's really interesting there's a guy called um, Gabor Mate who does a lot of work he had a book or movie called The Wisdom of Trauma um, and he's he's worked a lot of with people with like drug addictions and all kinds of things and and he said you know the key thing to um, how people deal with trauma isn't necessarily the extent of how bad it necessarily was at the time but more so whether you had the ability to talk about it or process it or release it mm-hmm. at that time so kids are pretty resilient but if they don't have the opportunity to to talk about it express how they feel and process it they mm-hmm. can internalize a lot of stuff right so mm-hmm. then even when you then become an adult and you consciously know that you're okay or you're safe or whatever else there's this memory that's repressed in your unconscious mind, which is in your body. That's the domain in the un- unconscious mind mm-hmm. that still sits there with the perspective of a two-year-old or a three-year-old or a six-year-old. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have the logic and the wisdom and the understanding that you do as an adult. Okay. So it, you filter experiences through this thinking that's trapped in there as a very small child. Mm-hmm. So it can be very irrational and it can be very, kind of fear-based and those kinds of things but you know typically how I see this show up for people is um that you know they've got a dreaded fear of doing video or um you know they don't have their face on any of their socials they've only got logos on there um you know they um hesitate about writing any content or putting any content out for fear of like judgment or criticism um or, or being told that they're wrong or that, you know, it's not mm. good enough, all these kinds of things. Um, and, you know, like I said, behind this stuff, it can be these deep-seated fears. Like I had a, um, a fear of being publicly shamed. Mm. That was the thing. Like if I put myself out there, somebody else might attack me um, and everyone else would believe them, mm. right? Like, and so if you've got something like that, it, you you know, you might not be consciously aware of it, mm. but you'll procrastinate, right? Yeah. You won't get the thing done. You'll find some other thing to do. You'll make up some kind of reason about why that's not the thing that you should do right now. It's not quite ready. Um, you know, all these kinds of things that can show up, um, which is just driven by these unconscious kind of fears. Mm. So fascinating because it's like, obviously we all have some kind of, childhood trauma whether we had you know even if we had a lovely childhood you're right you know like the mum who's just had enough and she's exhausted and she snaps at the kid like that's that's all it can take right yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely and you know like I've got friends who you know are are running businesses and I've got small children and stuff like that and I know like it's a real fear and I I had this as well like my daughter's now 20 and just you know moved to Queensland which I'm at a different stage of life but I can remember the fears that I had that I would damage you know my daughter you know um not physically obviously yeah 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 
you know, like mentally and emotionally, and especially when I went through, you know, separation, I divorced mm-hmm. her dad and, you know, different things that happened in my life. It was always this real fear that I was going to somehow damage her. And and I know it's really common. I hear this with other, you know, mums as well. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think it's always remembering that even if you have snapped, even if something has happened, that you just need to go and talk to your children mm-hmm. and explain you know, like how you were feeling and explain emotions and explain that you're sorry if they, you know, that they didn't, you know, if they felt bad, it wasn't, they haven't done anything wrong or ask Mm. them how they are feeling or whatever it is. It's just to process, help them process that for themselves so that they don't get stuck with whatever representation they took from it at the time. Yeah, 100%. And it's not an easy thing to do necessarily. Um, to slow down and do that but I love that you know we're living in an age now where I feel like that's starting to become more of a normal thing you know when we grew up it was sort of like the parents were just they were always right and yeah even if they snapped it was like well you did the wrong thing (laughs) yeah exactly you deserved it and um yeah to be able to start flipping that on its head I feel, yeah, it's like so important and um, like I'm trying. <laughs> I know that a lot of parents that I'm in circles with are trying as well and hopefully like we can sort of, yeah, raise up a new generation of of, of women particularly for me in my case. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, yeah. I think the one thing that I remember hearing and I know we've gone a little bit off probably tangent here, but the one thing I remember hearing that helped yeah. me so much as a parent was and it's a little bit woo-woo but I love a bit of woo-woo yeah um, was that um that our children like we choose our parents and our parent and our children choose us so you know we we choose to come through this life for whatever it has to teach us and then mm-hmm. you know situations and relationships and everything that we will have um and you know, really that life is always happening for you, not to you. Mm. So, you know, and this is the basis of all the work that I do with people, like with timeline therapy and NLP, mm. is that when you find the meaning, like the positive meaning to whatever it is that you've experienced in the past and you get the positive learning lessons from it, mm. the trauma and the emotions like disappear. They mm. they simply go. Yeah. Um. And so it's always like whatever's happening is like, okay. And it's the same in business, right? It's like yeah. if you're feeling like you're stuck on something or you're feeling fear, it's just, okay, well, there's there's a purpose to this. Like, yeah. What do I need to learn? Yeah. And do you find that, that as you practice that over time in when you're in tricky situations or something didn't work out how you expected it to, because that happens in business mm. more frequently than we would like, Um, do you find that the more you practice that the better you get at it and the quick more quickly you recover yeah 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 you know I think you know I remember once because you know like I said I I, I mean I'm a Pisces as well so maybe I was just a very sensitive child as well but I remember you know um talking to my coach once like crying I should say Mm. crying to my coach (laughs) oh my god am I ever going to get rid of all my stuff yeah because I just felt like every time I spoke to her, I was just like, oh, and then there's yeah. this and this and this, right? <laughs> um, and, um, um, but, you know, the thing that we do find, and like, you know, it happens in business, there's been times when people have said to me, yes, I'm doing your course, and I send them an invoice, and then they pull out. Or yeah. I say, I'm going to be doing, you know, running a training, and then for whatever reason, I haven't promoted it enough, I haven't done whatever else enough, and then I've had to cancel it. Um, you know, like there's been all of these things that have happened. I've run like the first five day challenge I ran, 
everybody loved it, but my offer was shit and nobody bought anything from me, right? Like, yeah. like these things happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think part of that in business is you do just have to, you know, you do just learn that whatever happens, this is not the last thing I'm ever going to do. Yeah. It's just this thing that's happened and there's something here for me to learn about that. Um, and it's the same with your own personal growth, right? And in every level you go to in business, you'll find like you can find even with visibility, right? You might you might clear what you're happy with going visible in your own personal group and you're happy doing that. And then you start going, well, I want to do some stuff in somebody else's group or more publicly. And then there can be a cap around that. So there'll be something else to kind of, you know, move through in there. But mm-hmm you know what you do find especially with personal growth is like no matter how bad you feel at any given time is that you're not stuck with it and there is a way that you can move through that and resolve it and on the other side you'll be like woohoo like this is the best thing in the world right like I'm I'm loving it yeah Um, and and this too shall pass yeah another time where you're like oh my god am I ever gonna get this right yeah um and that's the growth and you know like I'm still doing it Rachel you know like there's like I do some pretty high level kind of personal evolution stuff now with with, you know the mentors and things that I have and um and because I I know the more that I grow as a person the more I become who I truly am and can be fully self-expressed the more the further I can take other people Mm. like I I know that for sure um and it's one of the reasons probably why so many of my clients have just keep doing things with me and staying with me because I'm forever growing and evolving Mm. and sharing that journey Um, and I think you know you just have to decide that you're okay with that that you know sometimes you're going to think this is amazing and it's the most incredible thing you've ever done and other times you're going to be thinking oh my god like could I go and clean toilets yes wouldn't that be easier? <laughs> that is so funny that you say that because literally um, in I have um, a, this beautiful mastermind group called the Kindred Collective and we have this boxer chat. And most days all the ladies are in the boxer chat and the, the topic of conversation yesterday was the temptation to look at jobs on Seek. Yeah. <laughs> and the contrast that that can bring up. Um, so it's interesting that you said that, that even though something may seem easier, are you actually going to be happy doing that? No. Yeah. It is, and I think that's the thing. It's like once you've fired up that entrepreneurial mindset, um, it's very hard to go back. It's kind of like, you know, if you get some pair of pants and like like stretchy pants and, and then they've been overstretched, yeah. they never go back to how they should yeah. be. <laughs> that's what I kind of think about every time. If I think about myself going back into a job, I'm like, oh, no, like that is that is way worse and then and then I kind of think about like you know all of the positives that I get for for the work that I do like yeah. I, I literally go I, I could not go back to a job that doesn't have the kind of meaning mm. that what I get from what I do now um and again it comes back to that thing like who am I not to push through for yeah. the people that I can help you know? yes I love that That's so empowering and sorry so inspiring um so I think like on that note, I think it's a good a good opportunity to um I guess wind things up. Um so finally, what would you say to the lady or the business owner 
who has never showed their face online to represent their business or is scared to go to networking events or even or even join in a Zoom session, um, what would your advice be to her or what would you like to say to her? Yeah, you know what? The thing that you just have to know for yourself is that, number one, nobody's really thinking about you as much as what you think they are, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody is caught up in their own stuff about themselves right that that's a fact Um, and you know and I I know there's for certainty that everyone has stuff because I work with people from all kinds of work I've got business owners that are doing multi-millions in their business Mm. who I work with that don't have everything sorted out right Mm. Um, so everyone's got their own stuff number two no one who's above you is ever going to judge you or put you down or anything else, right? Anyone who's further ahead than you are going to encourage you and really support you and they want you to do really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, number three, people will like, this is the thing, it's like, like I was talking about rapport earlier, yeah. right? And People are attracted to people not because that they're perfect, but because they can relate to them, mm-hmm. right? because there's similarity. So however it is that your hair is, your face is, how you talk, what your voice sounds like, um, you know, what you wear, any of that stuff, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's you do you and how you feel good and there's going to be people who are attracted to you because they feel comfortable about how you are Mm. you know there's no there's no perfect way and so and when you do that like you just show up as as you and how you like to be then the people who are attracted to you are the people that you like as well Mm. and that you want to work with yeah Um, so you know that is that is the big thing it's like when you can really understand that at a deep level that you need to provide the people the opportunity who are going to feel so comfortable working with you the opportunity to see you and to get to know you and hear you um and anybody else that's not okay with how you are they're not your people anyway so don't even worry about them yeah, and most likely they're not even going to pay any attention anyway. Yeah, they won't be paying any attention. Exactly. <laughs> They'll be off in their little flock. I love yeah. that. Thank you so much. I love how you break things down um, so clearly and they make so much sense um, and, you know, unraveling the mess that can be, you know, our, our own prison sometimes. Um, so thank you so much, Tony. I just have a couple of rapid fire fun questions to wrap up. So I'm okay. just going to ask what your favorite is, and then I'm going to say a word and it's just whatever pops into front of mind. Okay, good. Okay. So what's your favorite app? My favorite app? Uh, um, I, I could, I have to say, if it goes by the amount of time that I spend on it, it would have to be Facebook or closely followed by TikTok. That's oh. pretty sad, isn't it? <laughs> No, I think it's just the world we live in, really. We all need some kind of pleasure to wind down with. It's fine. Um, I'm glad you're honest. Um, Favourite time of day? Favourite time of the day? I love mornings. I really love mornings. I like, I don't need an alarm. I will just naturally wake up at like five o'clock or something and um, and I do meditations and like I do journaling. And I and now that the weather's nice, I'd mm-hmm. go for a nice big walk. I, I like walking through a cemetery. <laughs> it's really weird. But I live near the Enfield Cemetery and it's the most beautiful, peaceful place. Yeah. I love walking through there. Um, so, yeah, mornings are my favourite time of day. Oh, that's beautiful. 
Do you know, I like walking through cemeteries as well. I don't yeah. think it's quite, my children think it's really odd that I find cemeteries a really peaceful place. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Really it's glad so that you said that. I love it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Favorite time of, um, not time of day, exercise, favorite exercise. Favorite exercise, um, like yoga. So I, I walk, I do yoga and I do weights. I do weights because I like the results. I, I do yoga because I like it and I do, and I walk because it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> favorite habit or ritual my favorite habit or ritual I think it's my it's my daily meditations I I did it this end of last year I went to this high-end kind of personal evolution seven-day thing which had been on my bucket list it was quite expensive it had been on my bucket list for like years Amazing. and I went all in and I went to it and I'm that was November last year and I'm still doing meditations a lot of energy stuff archetypes to do with like mm-hmm. the tarot all kinds of stuff um and so you know diving into that and those meditations and this year I'm going to another version of it in November which is all about numerology and astrology um um because I've got a little I've got my chart and I know a little bit about it but I'm going to go to the level where I can help other people with their charts as well so I'm pretty excited about that how you do that just go straight to help how you can help others with it as well I love it <laughs> um okay favorite way to relax favorite way to relax um I really love the beach I I absolutely love the beach I I love being around water um I do you know what I love the most I love swimming underwater like there's something about swimming underwater like as soon as we go to the beach I I'm I'm the person doing like underwater somersaults and handstands and just like being underwater yeah (laughs) I love it it's just peaceful and Yeah. yeah another world you can just escape to yeah all right finally last one um what's your favorite thing about your business the faith my favorite thing about my business is definitely that the people that I meet and that I get to work with and just like hearing how they all want to help other people you know that the work that they do and and um and how I like just hearing like helping them evolve and just hearing, you know, the on-flow effect of that stuff. I, I love that. I just, yeah, it's worth doing all the other stuff that I don't want to do. In my yeah. <laughs> yes. I feel you. All right. Lovely. I just so grateful for your time today. Thank you so much. I know that there are probably a thousand billion other topics that you could share your wisdom on and you have your very own podcast now. Um, so if any of our listeners want to come and find you, where's the best place to go? Look, you'll find me pretty easily as Tony Everard anywhere, Tony Everard, Tony Everard Coaching, um, my website, you know, tonyeverard.com.au, socials, all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you want to check out the podcast, it's The Coaching Circle. Um, you can check that out on all the platforms. And um, and I'm looking forward to having you on there as a guest as well, Rachel. Mm-hmm. We have to have another different kind of conversation. Yes, another deep, meaningful. Yeah chat hopefully but um I'm looking forward to that as well thanks so much Tony thank you Rachel it's been such a pleasure really appreciate it keep doing such awesome work if you found this episode inspiring or helpful I invite you to share the link with another woman in business or someone who needs to hear this message every woman we can support to grow a meaningful profitable brand is another woman who is free to live a purposeful life for herself and be more present for her family 
None of us are alone in the challenges we face in business, but the solution can start with a gift from someone else, and it could be a podcast episode just like this one. Thank you for listening.